Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined as always, by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. Uh, We're back in Memphis after uh, an eventful trip to Portland, Oregon. Uh, Obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably know by now the Tigers season comes to a dramatic, heartbreaking, but prideful end um, in Portland at the Moda Center. They lose to Gonzaga. 82-78, a game that was wildly entertaining. Uh, Tigers lead by 10 at halftime, led by as much as 12. Um, But ultimately, Drew Timmy and Gonzaga make a comeback in the second half. Andrew Nemhard hits some big shots, and and the Tigers fall. But um, it, it felt like the type of ending, you know, obviously a better ending would have been to win a national championship or go to the final four. But other than that, like, I don't know if you could ask for a better ending if you were going to have to end the year with a loss, uh, I guess is probably the best way to put it. Um, so, uh, we'll re we'll talk about the Gonzaga game, our observations, what we made of it, uh, talk about the Tigers NCAA tournament run. And then we'll turn our attention to the off season a little bit. Um, you know, in this era of college basketball, once the season ends, uh, the question really becomes, okay, what, what players are going to stay and remain with the team? What players does the, do the coaching staff want to stay? Um, and then, you know, what, what are they going to get via the transfer portal? Maybe some late recruiting. Uh, A lot is up in the air for the Tigers Uh, now that the season is over. So uh, lots to get to. Let's start, though, Jason, with that game. Um, Heck of a game. Um, What um, when when you watched that play out, you know, the thing that struck me was, you know, here was the team that was that we were supposed to see all season. You know, I think it could be argued that first half was the best 20 minutes of basketball they played all year. Uh, And overall, you know, I I don't know. There's not many teams they lose to playing like that. It just so happened they ran up against the top seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, What do you think the significance was, though, of of not just them making the tournament, but how the tournament played out those two games, getting a win over Boise State and then going toe-to-toe with Gonzaga? What's the significance I guess for right now and also moving forward for Penny Hardaway and his program. Well, I mean, I think as far as the, as far as in the moment, 
Um, I think you put it really, really well a second ago when you said that if you're going to go out, you know, going, going toe to toe against the number one team in the country, the odds on favorite to win, to win the whole thing, uh, last year's runner up, um, going up against potentially the number one pick in the NBA draft here in a few months. Uh, if you're going to go out, you know, uh, a four point loss where you had a 12 point lead. I mean, like just the way you played in that game and the way you, you know, you, you know, you weren't, you didn't get pushed around. Memphis did not get pushed around. They held their own that, I mean, and, and, and they more than held their own. They, they, I wouldn't say they dominated, but when you carry a double-digit lead into halftime against the number one team in the country, that's loud. Um, and so I think that kind of gives you, in in the moment, that gives you a sense of of what of what you know of where this team is and how far it's come in just in a very short period of time. Um, now, as far as the future, I mean, that's something that you can. You know, a lot of people saw that. Uh, recruits saw that. Uh, maybe you made a few fans along the way, um, a few new fans along the way. Maybe you got some old fans who had jumped off the bandwagon. Maybe they're back on, um, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, I think, again, the, the the recruiting aspect is probably the biggest thing. Like you can, you can, you know, whip out your phone or your, iPad or your or your computer when you're on the recruiting trail and say, hey, look, look what we did. Look what we can do. Look what look what. You know, all we need is you and we can and yeah. we can be and we can be that uh, we can we can be the Gonzaga like we can be the the you know, we can be Goliath, you know, you, you can put us over the top. And so I think that's um, I think that's that's really what the what it boils down to. Yeah, no, you can sell that. You can sell what they did down the stretch. We won 13 of 15. We we turned our season around, made the tournament, won a tournament game, and then and then took uh, Gonzaga down to the wire. Um, had Gonzaga on the ropes. Uh, you can sell that a lot better than uh, what it was trending towards there for a minute. Of we had all this talent and we fell flat on our face in, right. in a lot of ways. Um, you, you can sell that a lot more. Um, no, and, and a lot of interesting things played out in that game. I mean, you saw, you know, the D- Jalen Duran Chet Holmgren matchup that I think, you know, it was a little, you know, Jalen was battling foul trouble, so he didn't get to play that. It was one of those games where he only played, I think, 19 minutes. Um, and I, I, I'll say this, I, I don't think Chet Holmgren, you know, he wasn't the biggest factor in that game. I do think, and if you read some of the reports afterwards, probably got the better of Jalen Duran in the matchup. Uh, some of those blocks he had down the stretch, but you could see how winded how winded he was and how much he struggled offensively at times going up against Memphis. Like Memphis made him look, uh, I'm not going to say ordinary, but made him look worse than he has in previous games. Um, and I think. Uh, I thought that was an interesting, you know, it wasn't really, I don't know how much it factored into the result, but it was an interesting byproduct. You had Amani Bates, another productive appearance in the game. You had Malcolm Dandridge give you 
I thought played a whale. He was, I thought in the first half, in a lot of ways, he was the difference. He was why they were up 10 because he played so well with Duran in foul trouble. Um, and then second half got winded. Um, interestingly enough, Cody, I don't know if you saw this, Jason, Cody Toppert on a, on sports 56, uh, during an appearance on Monday, because on the broadcast, we didn't see it because we were courtside. Part of the reason Steve Lapis was like, and, and people were saying Penny needs to call a timeout in the second half, but he, people criticized it, um, was because one, because Gonzaga was going on a run, but two, cause like Malcolm looked really winded and I thought he looked really winded, but Cody Topper said on the radio that like, I kind of threw Malcolm under the bus, uh, said it wasn't like a being winded thing. It was more of a effort thing. Um, now that being said, I thought Malcolm played really well in that game, um, played probably too much, but like he was playing well and Jalen was dealing with foul trouble. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't, uh, disagree with him. That's, that's sort of one big picture part of this. Like I thought Penny, I know Lapis on the broadcast, Steve Lapis and, and other people online were critical that Penny didn't use his timeouts by the way, he used them all late. Um, but like didn't use his timeouts when Gonzaga was going on that run. I'll be honest. I didn't even know that was a criticism until like I got home that night watching the game. I didn't really like, there was no moment where I was like, Oh man, he should have called a timeout. You know, like even though Gonzaga went on that run, um, at what I thought was really impressive for Memphis and why I think people came away feeling so good, even though it was a loss was like, there was there's a scenario where a good team even gets just completely overwhelmed by what Drew Timmy did and what Gonzaga did early in that second half. And Memphis, like, you know, never really went away, you know, like they they responded. And, you know, ultimately, you know, they you know, they missed a couple shots late and, you know, Nemhard uh, hit that big shot. Um, and that was the difference. But um, I don't know. I think as we look into the future beyond the recruiting part and like being able to, when he goes to talk to these potential transfers and whoever, like he can just, you know, he, he can sell momentum. I also think like it's solidified penny, both the run and, you know, the way he coached, like I, my sense is because of what he did getting Memphis to the tournament and going toe to toe with Gonzaga. Like, I think I'm not saying he made a lot of believers out of, like his people who were kind of skeptical of him as a coach. But I think there's no way you can't like respect the job he did. You know, like he did a really nice job here the last 16 games of the season and really showed, um, showed, you know, sort of, I thought a lot of growth as a coach and seemed to really figure out who he is as a coach in, in, or at least figure it out more. Um, and I know we sort of said that last year, during the NIT run, but I don't know, this year just seemed to reinforce that. Like, I believe it more this year. Um, like I had to talk myself into it last year that, Oh, he's grown. And then, you know, frankly, you were wrong because you saw at the beginning of the season, he made some of the same mistakes he made last year in terms of not, you know, not being able to develop chemistry quick enough. And, um, you know, um, just some of the, you know, some of the, I guess, you know, the way he spoke publicly and all that. 
Um, he, he, he made some of the same mistakes this year, but I just think over this last half of the season, um, he did it. He did a heck of a job. Uh, and you can't, you can't, I, it's just hard to be, it's hard to not take him seriously. Like if you're one of those people who wasn't like, who were who was like, Oh, Penny's just nay, you coach, whatever. If you were still hanging on to that, uh, criticism, like, I just think the last 16 games should you No, that's not what he is. Like, I don't know if he's a good, I don't, I, he's certainly not the greatest college basketball coach in the country yet. I'm not even sure he's a great college basketball coach, but he's a legitimate college basketball coach who knows what he's doing. That's what I think the, that's what I think was solidified during this run. Um, like, you know, he's got, he's got all these qualities off the court where he, he does things, he does things differently than a lot of coaches. And in a lot of ways, frankly, it's better. Like when it comes to recruiting, like he relates to kids better. He, um, I think he's more relatable as, you know, as a face of the program, like there's things that he does. And, and now it feels like he's catching up to all those other coaches in terms of what he wants to be as a college coach, what he wants the identity of the program to be, and then implementing implementing and executing that vision. I just felt like the way they closed this season uh, really showed that he's, he's sort of, uh, he is, he is uh, getting closer and closer to doing that. And, and when you take all the stuff he does better than a lot of coaches, all that he did naturally better than a lot of coaches, and you combine it with, you know, sort of the on-court vision coming together, um, you know, I think that's where your optimism comes for next season and beyond. It, it just really feels like the program is back on track um, to what Penny wanted it to be, you know, to what we thought it was going to be more quickly. You know, like in year one and year two, you thought they were going to arrive at this point like very quickly and it wasn't as quick as you thought. But now they're here. You know, now it feels like, you know, barring you know, the IRP case getting in the way, it feels like they are ready to take off as a program under Penny Hardaway. That's, that's what this run signified to me long-term. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Winning, winning, just winning helps and uh, winning helps everything. And I mean, you know, no coach, there's not a coach out there that hits the right button every single time, but, um, and Penny's no exception to that, but, you know, there were just, there were a lot of things down this stretch um, of games where they got really, really, where, you know, things could have gone wrong. Um, in the past, he probably hits a different button on a few occasions and the momentum just completely stops um, or, or slows down considerably. Um, but he, he didn't do, you know, he, he, made the right calls, hit the right buttons, um, you know, said the right things. And, uh, and here we are. And, and, and I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think, uh, this, he's gotten the program to the point where, um, it's just, it's really, really on solid. It's, it's firmly on solid footing, uh, now going forward. And that's, uh, that's, that's good news for everybody. Well, along those lines, Jason, let's let's uh, switch course here and talk about um, that. You know, this off season and uh, where this goes next. Okay, 
So it is the transfer portal era. And I think it's safe to say there are going to be guys on this Memphis team that transfer out, that leave. And there's going to be guys that transfer in and come. There's going to be new faces on next year's team. Um, and this, the idea of quote unquote running it back. Well, one Jalen Duran is definitely going to the NBA draft. And so there was no way to actually completely run it back because you're going to have to replace Jalen Duran, who was, you know, either your best or your most important or second most important player on this team. Um, and the first team all conference selection on this team. So there's that. And then there's just the fact that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to guess beyond there's probably some guys that want to transfer that will ultimately transfer out on their own volition. I also think there's probably some guys that Penny will, you know, kind of uh, not, not kick out, but like, you know, talk to them about, Hey, this might be a better option for you. Um, and so there's going to be some turnover. Now the question is how much turnover? Um, so Jason, I, I guess I'll present it to you. We'll go, we'll go generally speaking, and then maybe we'll talk about um, some specific guys. Um, you've been talking to people behind the scenes a lot since this Gonzaga game ended. Um, generally speaking, how do you see this playing out in terms of roster turnover? Um, you know, what, how many guys ultimately ballpark do you think leave and what type of players do you think Penny will prioritize in the transfer portal? Okay. So um, I think you're looking anywhere. You're looking at anywhere from, and I know this is kind of a big, uh, a big range, but I think you're looking at like four to eight uh, openings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've talked about Jalen Dura and I think Landers Nolly is probably, uh, is probably gone after this, you know, uh, before next season. Uh, he, he won't be back. I, I you know, Josh Minot is kind of up in the air. I, I think uh, if, if I had to bet, I think he tests the draft waters. Um, mm-hmm. You know, of, uh, there's a lot of chatter out there about him being a potential, like, um, like, I guess, candidate for a first round, uh, you know, somebody, if he goes out as well at a combine or a workout or something, and you know, I mean, he's got tools galore. He's he's a freaky athlete. Uh, he's been, you know, on people's radar for a while now. Uh, between Iverson Classic last year in Memphis, the pro day, he he generated a lot of buzz. Um, and so I could I could see him uh, if he gets what he wants out of the draft process. Uh, I could see him being gone now. You know, there's been some speculation that if he doesn't, if he does go back to college, that it's not going to be at Memphis. I'm not convinced of that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably certain that if he decides to go back to college, uh, that it, that it'll be back at Memphis. Um, hmm. Really? Yeah, yeah. Based on some uh, uh, recent conversations that I've had, shall we say. Uh, I don't think that he's necessarily looking to get out of Memphis just to get out of Memphis. I think it's NBA or Memphis at this point. Things could obviously change. Obviously, um, things always do uh, or things, you know, often do, I guess. Um, But uh, 
but it does seem like he's going to get, you know, he's going to get a good um, evaluation um, during the NBA process in, in the NBA draft process. And so uh, if he does, then, then I think he's gone. Um, so, you know, that really leaves, uh, you know, I guess Imani Bates is kind of the biggest, uh, one of the other biggest question marks, him, him and um, Alex Lomax and Lester Quinones and DeAndre Williams are really the, 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 the biggest, um, you know, I guess you call them 50, 50 guys. There's, there's chatter out there that DeAndre Williams is leaning toward coming back. I've talked to some people about Lester Quinones who say that, uh, who, who say that the ball is kind of in Penny's court. Um, you know, they, he, that Penny knows what Lester wants, uh, you know, what he wants to be and how he, what type of player he, he would like to, uh, you know, what type of freedoms he'd, he'd like. Um, and so it's really at this stage up to Penny, uh, if, if, if he, uh, you know, is going to allow Lester to do that or not, Alex, uh, Lomax, we know, um, he walked on senior day. Uh, he's been he's he's played four years. Obviously, he's got an extra year uh, if he wants to use it. But um, if Memphis goes out into the transfer portal or or wherever and figures out a way to get high level point guard, is Alex Lomax okay with coming back and being like a super sub? I don't. Um, that's something that that's something that they're going to have to work through as it as that situation presents itself. Um, and then, and then of course, Imani Bates, like, you know, you never know that, that, that situation can change on a dime. It seems to, you know, the, the way things played out this last week, it seems to suggest that, um, you know, Imani Bates's camp and, uh, Penny, Penny's camp are, uh, amenable to, to, you know, staying together but i don't know until you get until you get everybody in a room and and hash it hash it all out uh i think it's up in the air yeah and it sounds like you know they'll do those meetings this week next week and it, well and it, it it's gonna be interesting because i i caution people to like not look at this as because you, you the way you for instance the way you talked about lester's situation like lester it sounds like wants to you know like he wants to try and make the NBA in some form or fashion. And, and, you know, it's, it's hard to make the NBA as a nine point a game glue guy, even though he gets lots of minutes. But the reality is, is, is if certain guys return and certain guys come in via the portal, um, like one, if you're asking me, what's Lester's bet, what's, what's going to be best for Memphis in terms of Lester's role. It's as what he's been like a great player nice college player who excels defensively rebounds well for his position can hit outside shot, you know, open shots. And, you know, like, I don't know if I want him as my shot creator, you know, like my number one offensive option, like to be quite honest, but that's what he wants to be. Um, and so maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't in the next week or so, we don't know what he's going to do because a lot of it depends on who Penny ultimately brings in via the transfer portal. You know, yeah. like if he brings in another shot creator, well, that's not going to, you know, like maybe Lester's like, well, now there's another guy in front of me in the pecking order in terms of shots, whatever. 
Um, and so I caution people to look at this strictly as a he's deciding to stay or he's, de- you know, he's deciding to leave. It's Penny in a lot of ways is a general manager now. He's gone from coach to general manager of the program. You know, like it's with the NIL and the transfer portal rules, the lean, more lenient transfer rules. It's like, you know, this is free agency season right now. And, you know, and, and frankly, it's more chaotic than like the NBA or whatever, because these guys are signing one year deals, essentially, you know, whether it's NIL or, you know, their scholarship, like they're, they're it's like, they're, you know, it's free agency. And so the way this plays out is going to be not straightforward because it's, you know, a lot of it, I think, depends on who Penny lands in the portal and he's going to go after. He's made that clear. I mean, they have no recruits coming in this year as of now. Now, because of coach firings and what have you, there's been some high profile recruits back on the market. But I've been I've noticed I think it's really interesting, you know, when when initially when these guys have decommitted from schools and these reporters, recruiting reporters go at this school, this school, this school and this school have reached out. Usually Memphis. When it's you know, like Memphis gets involved quickly with these guys, these high profile guys, I've noticed it's been very interesting to me, Jason, like whether it's like Robert Dillingham, the point guard who decommitted from NC state or sky Clark, the guard who commit decommitted from Kentucky who but Memphis was after when they initially signed with, with NC state and Kentucky, both of them not involved right now. Like they're not like they're not listed as a school that's reached out. And it strikes me as Penny staying true to the, what he said earlier back in January of like, I'm going after transfers. I am going to load up on the, in the portal now. Um, and so, you know, it, it is interesting to me to see how this all plays out. Like, I don't think necessarily like some of these guys will know in the next week, whether they're leaving or staying, but some of the guys, it might go into June. You know, it might go into May, June, you know, because you got to see you want to see how the portal plays out um, and what's the best situation for you. And and Penny, the same way. How does the portal play out and what's the best situation for my team next year? Um, I'll just say this. My gut tells me it's going to be a lot like the roster composition is going to be a lot like this past year. Penny's going to keep a core set of guys. And then there's going to be some major pieces added as well to those core guys. And you'll lose some core guys, you know, like you'll keep some core guys, lose some core guys, and you're going to add in. And I think when all said and done, like roster composition in terms of talent is the least of my concern with Penny. Like he's going to get dudes. I will say this. He's got to do a better job at, at making the talent. Like he talks about chemistry and how he needs to do a better job getting the team's chemistry good at the beginning of the season. Part of that is who he gets in the portal. You know, like you can't have guy, you can't miss, you know, you can't like miss on the fact that Amani Bates is not a point guard. And now you have him, Lester and Landers playing all basically as the same guy uh, playing the same position. You know, like it's very clear to me, you need to add a point guard and a big man, a big man to replace Jalen Duran, a point guard, 
And then if you lose Lester and Landers, probably need to add a wing too via the portal. Um, or you're given that role. Maybe that's how you get Josh Minot back. You know, you're saying you're my starting three. Um, that sort of thing. But it, it's, it's, com- and it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's like more so than ever, it's like these college coaches are like general managers of NBA teams in the offseason, except they're dealing with one year contracts. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, I think, uh, you're right. It, it, it's, it's, it's going to be, I think, I think the biggest thing to keep in mind about all of this, um, uh, potential movement, certain movement, um, is each one, there's like a domino effect to each decision. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if, if like, just for example, if, if Landers decides it's, it's over and he's going to move on, well, then that might inform someone else's decision the same way Mm -hmm. someone else's decision might inform, say, Josh Minot's decision or Lander's decision or whoever, like, it's not just, you know, you can't take each case and, and operate in a vacuum. It's, it's each one it's, there's a, there's an effect on somebody else and probably multiple other people, um, you know, for each, for each player, uh, and what they decide to do. So, um, like if Deandre Williams decides to come back, well, that might affect, uh, you know, somebody else or two, two other people, um, you mm-hmm. know, may, may affect their decision. So I think that's, uh, something to keep in mind, um, as well as, you know, uh, who, who Penny goes after, like, let's say Penny goes out tomorrow and lands somebody out of the transfer portal. Well, that may, somebody may think today they're coming back. Uh, but if Penny goes out and gets somebody out of the transfer portal that's at the same position as somebody else, well, then they may have to reevaluate things. So um, well, it's a very it's a very fluid process. Is what I'm saying. Well, and frankly, if Penny does that, that's him telling you that he, you know, he prefers this person over you. Honestly, right, right. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays. I mean, there's all, we haven't even mentioned. I mean, Earl Timberlake. I'll be curious what happens with him. Um, you've got the Lawson brothers. Um, John Camden and Sam Onu. Um, so Jonathan Lawson, Camden and Onu, three red shirts. And, you know, if Penny goes out and get grabs several transfers at their positions after red shirting, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they change their mind. I don't know. I'm, I'm just speculating at this point. Um, yeah. But you got Malcolm Dandridge, too, and Tyler Harris. Um, you know, like. Uh, what do they end up deciding? Does Tyler want to be on scholarship now? You know, he certainly earned us, you know, he was certainly a scholarship level player this season for them. Um, so lots of moving parts as, as you, as, as you rightly put it. And, and you've done a great job covering it so far. So it'll be interesting to see um, how it plays out. All right. Anything else? Oh, oh. so I, I sort of laid out, what do you think they're going to target in the transfer? Oh. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, well, I think, uh, point guards probably, well, no, I won't say point guards. Number one, I'll say, uh, number one is going to be a big, uh, a true big, um, you know, Jalen Duren's leaving, uh, you know, like what if Malcolm decides he wants to leave? It sounds like there's some, uh, disharmony, uh, you know, with, with, with him behind the scenes. 
uh, and so, you know, what if he decides enough's enough and, 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 you know, he's, he wants more playing time. I mean, he played 24 minutes against Gonzaga, which was by far his season high. Uh, he only played, uh, the, the next highest minutes he got all season was 20 and it was early in the season. Like he, he averaged, uh, you know, considerably less. So what, you know, does he want to play more? Um, you know, maybe he moves on and, and, and whatever. So, uh, and then of course you've got Sam Onu on the team now. Um, but is he somebody who, who looks to leave? I think that's a coin flip. Uh, and so, yeah, so I think that that position is one that's going to be, I would say the primary focus, uh, for Penny Hardaway, um, going into this off season. And then beyond that, I would say one B is going to be point guard. Um, you know, I, 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 I think, uh, I, I think everybody understands that, you know, you can't be too deep. There's no such thing as too much depth. Um, we thought there might've been earlier this season and, and, you know, it's been talked about a lot, uh, during the Penny Hardaway era that maybe he has too many guys, uh, on his team that he goes out and gets too many people, too many, too many high level people to, uh, to keep happy all at once. And maybe that's true, but he, he dang sure needed them all this year. Um, and so, uh, I do think that, uh, he's going to go out and, and I think those are the top two, um, priorities, uh, center, uh, center and point guard. And then after that, it's just sort of, you know, finding, finding, not necessarily role players, but guys who can be either or, um, you know, either a role player or somebody who can step up when you need them. Interesting. Well, we will have uh, tons of coverage of it over at commercialappeal.com. Jason will be chronicling all the comings and goings uh, that are sure to happen here in the coming days and weeks ahead. Uh We'll we'll keep doing this podcast. I'll say periodically, you know, as news happens, we'll react to it. Um, so make sure you are uh, keeping up with that. Uh, we'll post it on commercialappeal.com, on our social media accounts, also anywhere you uh, get your podcast. Um, Till next time, whenever that is. I was Mark. That was Jason. Thanks so much, and uh, yeah. We'll see you in the portal. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.